On this episode of the Church Photographers Podcast, listener Derek asks, how do I help my photographers capture the moment? We're going to answer Derek's question by explaining what the moment is, what to look out for, and how to capture it. But first, I'm Rob Lauder. I'm Connor Strickland. And, and this, this is, is the, the Church, Church Photographers, Photographers Podcast. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Rob, your friendly neighborhood host. We got producer Connor over here on the couch in the corner, and we are going to be talking about uh, what does it mean and how in the world do we capture, quote, the moment. Um, I feel like uh, I have been told on a number of bases or a number of times that I have done a good job of capturing the moment. What is the moment? We've got to figure that out. Connor, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm glad to be here. Pretty good. I'm glad to be here as well. I'm glad to be talking about the moment here with you. Hopefully, we can have a moment together as we discuss what it's like to uh, to capture it. Um, as we dive into this episode, I like I, I've been trying to figure out how to answer this question because it's such a uh, soft skill, mm-hmm. right? To to do what what I think Derek's getting at here is like how do we uh, uh, convey like how do I as a photographer recreate the feeling mm-hmm. of what it was like to be in this place for someone viewing it after the fact. That's good. Right. And so I think like that's, that's the crux of what, what people say when they talk about the moment It's like, it's, it's something that emotional that we respond to, not something intellectual that, that we uh, think through. And so, um, Man, I think that this is going to be a really interesting podcast because we got to deal with a couple things. Yep. We got to deal with, uh, like, you know, what is the moment? We got to th- deal with how do we see as a photographer the moment? And then we got to talk about the technical side of how to actually capture yep. the moment. Um, if you've nailed this, you'll hear it in feedback. Like, you know, you really captured the essence <laughs> of who we are. Or, like, I really feel like I was there. Yeah. Right? And so that's how you know that we've nailed it. But let's um, uh, let's start with a very fundamental understanding of what photography is, because I think if if uh, if you're like me when I started, and probably you, Connor, yep. when we started, like we tend to view photography as a mechanical process, yep. right? It's like I push this button, I get, I get an image, this little box in my hands, <laughs> right? And photons hit a sensor, and it makes an image. Um, and I'm thinking about like what settings do I need? How do I twist these dials? Mm-hmm. Um, if that's where you're at right now, I think you're going to struggle with this capturing the moment. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you're kind of this an inexperienced photographer and you're not comfortable with your gear, you're going to struggle with this, with this too because your attention is going to be more on the camera and getting your settings right and less on what's taking place around you. Yep. Um, photographers who are skilled at, at capturing the moment forget about their gear, and instead they direct their attempt their attention to observing the moment. Yep. So you got to be able to, to observe the moment before you can capture the moment. And so it's like if, if if you think for a moment, no pun intended, if you think for a minute that powerful images are about the gear that you have in your hands, first go out and find any list of the most powerful or memorable images in history, and then realize that you have better gear in your pocket yep. than any of these photographers had with them when they captured those images. Definitely. So it's not about gear. Okay, so any gear. Yep. I don't care if it's like a, a 19, 
96 you know, point and shoot. Or a Razor right? flip phone. Indeed. Uh, you can capture a powerful uh, image. You can capture the moment. Obviously, it's going to be easier if you have good gear and you mm-hmm. know what you're doing with it. But beyond that baseline minimum skill set that you need to capture a proper image, the rest of the work as a photographer comes down to a few different things. One, figuring out what in the world the story is that we're trying to capture. Finding the moments that help convey that story. And then capturing those moments. So, uh, let's talk about uh, where to start. And I think really where you start here is figuring out the story. Yeah. Connor, where do we find story? Yeah, the truth is that the story is playing out around you no matter where you are. It can be at church, it can be at home, it can be in the streets. The story is just waiting to be captured and retold. Um, sometimes it's an exciting story. There's a baptism, there's something to celebrate, it's exciting, there's a lot going on. Sometimes it's a boring story. You're taking photos of a meeting or something like that. Um, but nonetheless, there is a story there. And if you've um, been seen somewhere as a photographer, your job is to root it out and to capture it. Yeah, Find what like. that story is and, and use your image and your your camera to truly capture whatever it is. Yeah, I feel like that's something that's really important for people to, to realize is that um, I, like, I don't care if you're just sitting alone in your house mm-hmm. watching Netflix. Like, There's a story being told. Yeah. Right. And so Rob Lofter sat on the couch as he watched indeed blank. Yeah. Um, and it, it might not be the most exciting story, but there is a story. There are elements that y- like you can uh, capture visually to convey what that story is. Your job then as the photographer is to root out the story, mm-hmm. um, because if you're just showing up and you're clicking the little button on your box and it's taking pictures, um, that's not going to be doing your job as a photographer in 95 percent of the situations. Um, so now here's how I approach discovering the story. Um, it's going to be a process, um, that I go through uh, kind of like at, at this point it's, uh, it's intuitive, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm doing this anytime I, I roll into an, a, a new venue or roll into a shoot. I want to figure out, uh, what is the essence of what I'm trying to capture? And then, you know, six months from now when I'm looking back at images, I want to be able to tell what was that story mm-hmm. that was going on in that place at that time yep. through the images that I've captured. So it starts before I even arrive at my shoot. Um, I want to be thinking about what's going on. What is this thing that I'm going to? Can I explain to my five-year-old in one sentence what I'm going to do? Because that's going to set the context. So it's like, okay, uh, sweetheart, I'm going to take photos of people worshiping at church. That's a start, yep. right? Um, or I'm going to go, um, you know, take photos of uh, our people celebrating new life through baptism. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to go capture photos of our women's ministry uh, making connections and building connections with one another and doing discipleship together. Yep. Um, I have that that big picture, macro level, one line, super simple story in my head before I even get there. But then once I arrive, I need to figure out how do I tell the elements of that story visually. And I'm going to call this the zoom in, zoom out method. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is the method that I use uh, kind of intuitively when I arrive and I'm trying to figure out what the elements of the story are that I can take the, the individual frames that I capture with my camera and convey a bigger picture story through those images. Um, and so I, when I say zoom in, zoom out, I, I mean it figuratively because I'm doing it mentally. Yeah. But you can also literally do this with your camera lens. Mm-hmm. Like you can zoom into the details and zoom out to the big picture and capture images that res- represent parts of the story along the way. So first step, zoom in. 
uh, either kind of like, you know, with mentally or with your camera lens, um, start out big picture. You take, take a step back, observe the space as a whole, observe the environment. Uh, if there are people, observe the crowds, right? Because the, the big picture, the macro level is part of the story uh, and a, a image that you can capture to convey that story. But then you start to, to zoom in. Like you break that space down into sections. As in a worship auditorium, you've got the stage, you've got the congregation, and those are the obvious ones. But beyond that, you've got the production booth with the volunteers. You've got some greeters over here at the door. And each of these contribute to this bigger story in some unique and diverse way. And then you zoom in further, zoom in on each section, like what's taking place in each row of the congregation, uh, in each worship leader on stage with, with each volunteer. Um, then finally, you zoom into the details. Like, what emotions do I see? Is this one particular person laughing? Is, are they crying? How are those two people there interacting together? How do they know each other? Did they come here together? Are they friends? Are they uh, husband and wife? Are they brother and sister? Um, what What's going on with, like, what, what are the keyboard player's hands doing on the keyboard? All these little tiny details that can contribute to um, details to the story. So that's zooming in. Like we've gone out from macro level mm-hmm. to super tight details. And you can do this like literally with your camera lens. Like s- capture wide photos, switch lenses, capture close photos. Yep. Um, but then once you've got all those pieces, then you zoom out and you start to put them in context. So uh, you've observed all these things that are going on. You zoom back out and start to say like how do these things fit together so that one person becomes a row of people again and a row becomes a section, a section becomes the auditorium auditorium becomes a whole church building and if you want to mentally zoom out from there you place the story in the context of your, your city your state the nation the world um and then also remember that stories don't just happen in places they ha- happen in time right mm-hmm. so the story evolved from the time that you got there to the time you left something has changed with these people and you can document that through your photos and then you retell the story so then you, you know, once I'm done, I, you know, this is probably after the shoot, yeah. right? When I'm culling through images, I'm able to tell my five-year-old the story of what happened, both on the macro level and in the, de- the details, mm-hmm. and use images to support that, Yeah. right? So because I was shooting the entire time, I'm able to tell that story through the images. I can go back to that big picture. People worship Jesus. I can get into the details of this particular person had an encounter with the living God and here's what it looked like and here's the emotion on their face when that happened. So that's what, what's going on in my mind. I think in, in, intuitively as I think through story um, simultaneously through all of that though, we need to be capturing the moments that help tell each part of that story. And that's what we're going to get to here after the break. Um, we'll talk about what, what specific moments are we looking for that we can capture. Welcome back to the podcast, Rob. That that was awesome. It really helped me as a fellow photographer figure out how I can step into a place and capture that moment while also knowing there are so many moments going on, whether it's on the front row of the pew on stage, back at the volunteer booth, um, the greeters at the door, and how that plays into the overall bigger picture that we're trying to tell as storytellers. You just broke us down what it is to figure out the story. Now we're going to dive into some of the tips and tricks of things to look for for when that moment might be happening. Yeah. So remember that, that capturing the moment is helping people feel like they were there 
when they look at your images. And so part of identifying all those little moments that could happen comes down to patience and, and waiting for the moment to take place. So like if I'm in uh, the lobby, right? So th just this morning I had a, uh, an event that we had here at the church. I was in the lobby of a pretty busy, it was a retreat with a bunch of our church planners that came back together for the first time seeing each other face to face in, in over a year, right? So I know there's going to be connections happening. I know that there's going to be reunions happening. I know that these, these are, are brothers and sisters who have not seen each other in a very long time and they're going to be excited to see one another. And so, uh, I can't do anything as the photographer typically to force those things to happen. So I just need to step back and I need to stay in the wings and I need to have my long lens on and I need to wait and watch for stuff to happen. And so if you see friends like chatting in the lobby of your church, you don't just shoot a photo of them standing side by side, staring out into space, right? That's not the moment. That's not the element of the story that you're looking for. You watch that conversation transpire a little bit and you capture the tiny moments of interaction and emotion that take place. You, you capture the laughs, you capture the smiles, you capture the hugs, the tears, uh, whatever transpires. Your job as a photographer is to document, right? You, like if you're, unless we're talking about posing, right, which is a discipline, but if we're, if we're just capturing what's going on, we just step back, we let things transpire, and then we capture what happens. Um, and so, like, don't think of your job as a photographer to show up and get a picture. Your job as a photographer is to show up and tell the story, and mm -hmm. the story happens in the moments. The moments take waiting, right? Yep. So if you're just, like, running and gunning the whole time, and you're just going from place to place to place, you're not being observant, you're not, you're not slowing down to see what's going on, you're going to capture photos, sure, but you're going to miss out on those moments. Yeah. Um, and then the other part, and I think probably the biggest part, and I hate to say this, is luck, right? Because the only things that you can control in this entire process are one, where you're standing, yep. <laughs> two, where you're looking, and then three, when you click the shutter. Yep. And everything else is up to chance. Yep. Right? So uh, all, all of those most memorable photos from history, like think of all the iconic images mm. that you can think of. Um, like I went to, uh, there's a 100photos.time.com. Uh, 100 most memorable images from the 20th century, something like that. Um, you've got uh, the uh, the guy who jumped out of the tower yeah. at 9-11. Right place, right time. Yep. Uh, like, if the photographer didn't just happen to look up, that moment would have never been captured. You would never know that story. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful story. Um, if you think about uh, the first images of the man on the moon, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you could capture, like, if, if we had a, a, the choice between pull out my iPhone today and capture that moment <laughs> or, you know, oh, man, I don't have a DSLR, so I can't capture that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was, it was right place, right time. Yeah. Um, and so everything beyond where you're standing, where you're looking, and when you click the shutter is completely up to chance. And so if you literally blink, right, you could miss mm -hmm. a moment. Um, some specific things that you can look for, though. Uh, so as you're, you're um, being patient and as you're waiting for, quote, the moment, uh, here are some specific things that you, that you can look for. Uh, first, look, look for movement. That's both on the macro level and the micro level. So um, the big movements, like when speakers are speaking, shoot on gestures to convey movement, uh, you know, don't, it's not just like, okay, your pastor's standing there with his hands at his side looking at, at a book <laughs> on a table. 
that doesn't convey the same thing as looking up into the congregation, hand gesturing out in front, making a point with a look of expression or emotion on their face. Um, those tell, I mean, they, both they te- technically both tell a story. Yep. One of them is going to be a more compelling image than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, for worship teams, watch for hand movement. So ha- hands in the air, right? That's a, a, a key moment. Watch for body movement. Um, next thing you can look for is emotion, both strong motion and subtle motion. Look for, uh, or uh, emotion, not motion. Look for excitement. Look for happiness. Look for sadness. Joy that the, the the key with emotion is as you're capturing it through the lens, that perfect moment is usually going to be a fleeting moment, mm-hmm. like a very, very, very fleeting moment where it's just like in the eyes or in the expression, um, you catch a little like a, a visual representation of what's going on in their heart and their soul. And so sometimes you don't even know you captured it until you're looking back. At photos, one of the things that I'm going to uh, talk about when we talk about the technical side of of all this is shoot on burst mode. Yep. Like my Z6 shoots at 12 frames a second. Mm. I need all 12 of those frames because the what is it the 0.8 yep. seconds between frame one and frame two could be the diff- difference between a powerful moving photo and a completely mundane boring photo. Yeah, definitely. Um, other things to look for: look for interactions between one or more people. That could be on the small group level, a couple friends in a lobby, hugs, high fives, smiles, uh, laughs, conversation. Mm-hmm. That could be an entire congregation responding to a worship leader. And so some of the, the my favorite images that I've captured recently have been a uh, worship leader on stage said, hey, let's let's put our hands in the air. Yep. Let's, let's let's celebrate. And, and they cue everyone else in the congregation. Yep. And then it's, it's people doing things together. Mm-hmm. Right. And so those interactions between people. Um, also think about perspective. So um, for the person in the congregation, they get one perspective on what's going on. But your job as a photographer, you can look at things from a different perspective. And so that could be uh, like, I don't know if your your auditorium has a uh, catwalk or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and you're able to look down when everybody else is looking up. Um, or if you're uh, able to get you know, down low or far away mm-hmm. or close up, you know, different perspectives that, that people don't always get uh, can uh, convey story and convey those moments. Um, also think about details. So tiny things that most people won't notice. You, If you have a zoom lens, so like a 70 to 200, yep. you can get your eyeballs on something that somebody else normally wouldn't ever mm-hmm. even notice. Um, so that could be like uh, the keyboard player's hands on the keyboard. Yep. Or uh, if you're, uh, you know, pastors preaching on something emotional and you can capture the tear in their eye that the person in the congregation can't even see. Mm-hmm. Like those are uh, powerful things that, that you can use to tell a story that is going to break the mold and, and really help somebody feel like what it was like to be there. Um, also look for behind the scenes moments. So sometimes powerful moments are happening somewhere other than where the main action is taking place. So if everybody's out, you, everybody's in the in the in the auditorium for worship, and you step out in the lobby, and there's two volunteers praying together. Like that's perhaps a more compelling story than what you see in the auditorium. Um, we have a boiler room 
uh, it's, it's not an actual boiler room, but it's what we call the, <laughs> we call it the boiler room at every one of our campuses. And so during the service, there's a team of you know three, four, five, six people mm-hmm. just praying for the entirety of service. Yeah. You would never see them. Nope. Why? Because you're in service and they're <laughs> praying for you. And so those behind the scene moments are often some powerful moments that tell a part of the story that the person who is there isn't going to even know exists unless you are there to tell that story. And then finally, one other thing to look for is cues. Mm. So things that s- signal that a moment might be coming. Um, uh, you know, volume or tempo of the worship music is going to cause people to respond in a specific way. Uh, if you s- hear or see commotion or noise happening somewhere, that might be, you know, turn your head and go look at what that is. Yep. Um, lighting cues in the auditorium, uh, anything that signals that something is changing uh, from the status quo. Those are things to look out for. Um, everybody's wired differently. Everybody will see things differently. Part of the cool thing about being a photographer is that your unique contribution comes from who you are and, and how you see the world. And so two, two people with the exact same gear in the exact same space in the exact same time are going to capture two completely different uh, perspectives on a specific event. So those are some things to look out for as you are capturing the moment. And we're going to use that in air quotes because um, really it's a, a number of moments. Yep. Um, but things that you can look out for to help you capture that moment. Uh, and by that, we mean communicating that story mm-hmm. in such a way that makes somebody feel like they are there. When we come back from our break, we're going to talk about some technical things that you can do to, uh, with your gear to better tell that story. So we'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. Rob just spent the last few minutes talking about how do you figure out the story and then giving some cues of when that moment might just happen. Now we're going to dive into the technical side of how to use your gear to actually capture the story and that special moment. Yeah, so uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, the if you are so caught up in your gear that you forget to observe what's going on around you, you're going to miss every moment that is available to yep. capture. Um and let's be real, you're going to miss 90% of the moments anyway because you <laughs> you're not omnipresent, right? Yep. Um, but in order to to have your attention on your surroundings, the first thing that you need to do, do is know your gear and nail your settings. Mm. And so the more attention that you put toward uh, fiddling with settings or digging through menus or chimping, the less attention that you have for what's going on around you. Did you say chimping? Chimping. Like a monkey, a chimp. Like a monkey. Yeah, it's like it's when uh, photographers gather around their, their uh, cameras and they hunch up and they look down and they're looking at the screen. They go, ooh, 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 look at what I got. <laughs> That's chimping. <laughs> I learned that from a... Uh, I'm definitely going to re- have to reuse chimping. Indeed. Um, and think about it next time you do it. It is. Oh, we. it will probably make me quit doing it. <laughs> and it will make me remember, okay, I am chimping right now. Let me get back to focusing on the stories. Indeed. So uh, spend less time <laughs> chimping. Uh, more time <laughs> observing. Uh, get your settings right before the event if you're able. So get there a little early, mm-hmm. kind of figure out uh, what's what kind of settings you're going to need. And then just leave them alone <laughs> unless yep. you have to make small adjustments. And so once you kind of get the feel for the room, um, that takes less mental bandwidth yeah. to deal with settings um, and start to... Um, start to focus on the the environment around you and what's going on. Uh, if you can, shoot manual. 
because if you're shooting auto, absolutely you can capture a good image, but then you, you need to worry about, like, is your camera going to miss exposure mm -hmm. or white balance? So if you're shooting manual, you get some more control over that. Um, but if that's going to cause you to be distracted, shoot auto. I mean, I, I, wanna, I want you to be focused on the moment um, and uh, be able to, f to, to observe what's going on around you before you get caught up in messing with your camera settings. Um, next thing is to respond to your surroundings. And so use the available light to help you tell the story. Um, some churches have dramatic auditorium lighting with haze. And so I feel like if you go, uh, if you, even if you go onto the church photographer's Instagram account, we, uh, we regularly share images where uh, folks in our community will tag us. Um, and we want to platform those photographers and, and just help share the story of what they're capturing. Um, but... Uh, I think there's a real temptation to be like, oh, that image is amazing because there's laser beams and there's haze and all this other stuff. And look how emotional it is. But then you know what? There's traditional well-lit natural light sanctuaries that you, we would look at the, the you know, laser beams and, and mm -hmm. haze machines. I think, well, that's boring. Yeah. Those stories have are, are stories of what God's doing too. And because just because the environment is different doesn't mean that the story is any less important mm -hmm. right and so you need to be able to respond to your surroundings you need to think about what light is available what is the scenery that's available and then how can i position myself in such a way to uh to tell that story sometimes it might mean rather than shooting straight on and you're shooting with a person on a blank wall you're shooting at 45 degrees yep. and then there you, there's you know part of the congregation behind them as they're they're speaking mm -hmm. um you're just kind of like walking around the, the venue to, to figure out what angle helps to convey uh, the feeling of what it's like to be here. I was just going to shoot this morning with, uh, with that retreat that I mentioned. Um, and I could spend all my time focusing on the stage, but that's not where the, the real story is. The real story is happening in those people who are coming together from all over the country. Yep who have gone out from our church and who have now come back to our church for a couple of days of renewal and training. That's where the story is taking place for the specific event. So I positioned myself not in the back of the auditorium, but in the front of the auditorium uh, and spent most of my time with my lens on the people who were worshiping and, and who were listening to the sermon and were there for renewal and refreshing with their wives and with their yep. executive pastors and with their friends that they're co-laboring with. And so uh, it's all about responding to your surroundings. And you know what? If I'm shooting uh, people sat down in the congregation while they're listening to a sermon, that's going to affect the lens I use. That's mm. going to affect the settings that I have in my camera to respond to the lighting. That's going to affect what I have to do in post-production to compensate for the fact that I'm shooting on ISO 5000. I've got a ton of noise <laughs> in my image. Um, all of that uh, is responding, but it's all about story. It's all about that moment that we're talking about. Um, from there, we look at composition. So we talked about zooming in and zooming out as a method for discovering story, but it's also a means of capturing the story. And so whether you're using a... Uh, a wide lens and wide composition or tight shot, it will communicate different things and it will have a different perspective on the story. Remember that wide shots communicate scale, right? So if I'm sitting in the back of the auditorium and I've got 900 people in a room, um, that's going to say, hey, look at all these people who are here to worship Jesus. There'll be you know, lots of people, but it maybe feels more impersonal. 
versus the tight shots that communicate intimacy. So like one or two people, it's going to be very personal. Look at this, how this one person is responding to the same thing that these 900 people are responding to, but in their own unique way. Wide shots, tight shots, both communicate different things when it comes to uh, capturing the moment. Um, the lenses that you shoot with also contribute to the mood of an image. Being physically closer to the subject helps the viewer connect. Right. So like you can if you look at two images with the subject and the exact same size in the frame, one captured with a 200 millimeter lens and one captured with a 35 millimeter lens, it's going to feel entirely different mm -hmm. because you're going to feel far off with that 200 millimeter shot compared to that 35 millimeter shot. Right. So um, the lenses that you shoot with contribute to the mood as well. And knowing how they do that will help you to uh, think through. Uh, how do I use my gear to capture and tell that story? And then uh, also realize that um, you can follow the rules of composition, you know, like the rule of thirds, uh, which says that if you are, uh, you know, focusing on a subject, draw a tic-tac-toe board on the image that you're capturing and position the subject looking into the frame on one of those the points of intersection on the tic-tac-toe board. You can follow the rules to communicate balance, but then if you want to create tension, strategically break the rules. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, don't have your camera level. Have your camera kicked off to <laughs> 30 degrees. Um, I do that on accident half the time. Anyway. <laughs> um, I can't keep a camera level to save my life. Um, so you know the rules, but then break the rules to, to strategically create tension or create drama within your images. And then finally, for composition, shoot with a variety of lenses and focal lengths. Um, because you're going to be telling different aspects of the story with, e with each one. Um, and then finally, as we talk about the technical side of things, I want to get into post-processing. Uh, because you can, one, ruin a moment with bad post-processing, or you can also create a moment with savvy post-processing. And so what I mean by post-processing is when you go to Lightroom and you start to uh, edit your image, right? Um, and you start to change the exposure. You start to change the contrast of the image. Um, so here's some ways to first to wreck an image in post-processing. Don't do these things unless you are going back to the strategically break the rules to create tension uh, objective that I just mentioned. Uh, number one is over-process. So there's a point at which your edits take an image from a photograph to like teetering on digital art, right? To where it's like, okay, that doesn't look like a photograph anymore. That's so highly stylized that it's no longer an image. Um, early in my photography days, uh, I did this all the time. And going back and looking at my old stuff, I'm like, Lord, that doesn't even look like a photograph. That's like, that's like art. You know, that's like a manga comic or something like that. Um, so when you cross that line, you've changed the story. And if you do that intentionally and sparingly, that's great. But avoid over-processing because over-processing will take the viewer out of the moment. Like, that's not natural anymore. And uh, over-processing will kind of ruin that vibe that you're going for, unless you're doing it very strategically and intentionally. Um, also, under-processing can wreck an image. So um, your undeveloped images from your camera don't tell the full story. Like, we, I've talked about this before. Imagine you're shooting film and you don't go back and process your images. All you've got are rolls of film with, with like, technically they have you, those, those rolls of celluloid have data on them. They have pictures on them, but you haven't brought them into the fullness of what, uh, of displaying them to tell the story. Same thing with 
with your digital camera. Images off of your digital camera are meant to be processed, just like film camera images are meant to be processed. Pro- excuse me, processed. Um, they call them digital negatives for a reason because they need to be processed. And so bringing your images into Lightroom, processing them, they will help bring out the details. Um, they help you shape the mood of the image. Um, with a raw file, uh, there's data that is that is embedded in that file that your eyes can't see until you process it. And so process, uh, if you want to wreck your image, just don't bother processing. If you want to tell the story, then bring it in Lightroom and process those images. Um, and then finally, another way to wreck an image is to get the wrong mood, right? So if you're taking like a very delicate moment, like say... Uh, you're in the kids space, right? And you're you're you've got you're capturing some some kids interacting together. You've gotten consent and all those things that we do we talk about. Um, and then you like edit it like you're at a rock metal concert, <laughs> right? Like you get like this really crunchy, like contrasty vibe, really dark vibe. That's probably not the mood of what you're trying to communicate in your kids' room, right? So um, getting the wrong mood will also wreck an image. Um, to get the right mood. There's a couple things you can do. Uh, here's some ways that you can shape the mood of an image. Uh, first, think about color. So as you're looking at that image, uh, think if there's lots of color in the image, you can raise the, uh, the vibrance of the image. Uh, vibrant means exciting. Desaturated on the other end of the spectrum is mellow or dramatic. And so by adjusting the color, you can adjust the feel or the mood of the image. Um, you can help to shape the moment that somebody experiences when they view that image. Um, you can do that with white balance from warm or cool. Um, you know, warm images kind of communicate mellow. Cool images normally communicate a little bit more edgy. Uh, color grading. So if you uh, if you have a color grading palette that you use uh, within your images, you can use some limited selective color or you can desaturate some specific colors to, to emphasize others. Uh, those will also shape the mood of an image. Then also... The, uh, the tone or mood can be affected by uh, stylistic elements, like how crunchy an image is. I use crunchy to describe like clarity, contrast, uh, thinking about like uh, harsh or dramatic uh, images um, versus airy, which is kind of like that low, cl- low contrast, bright, welcoming, fun vibe. You can create all of that in post-processing. Um, you can also uh, shape a, a story with crop. So crop draws that user, the viewer's eye into a specific part of the image um, that maybe when you captured it, you didn't. There was a much broader scene. Then finally, you can do the same thing with vignette. So vignette can kind of draw the attention to the center of the image as well. Um, bottom line is that uh, when we are capturing that moment, when we talk about capturing the moment, we are talking about. Uh, recreating the experience of what it was like, what it felt like to be in that moment in time mm-hmm. uh, for someone who is looking back at your images after the fact. Yeah. If you've done that, you've captured the moment. Um, the ways that we talked about doing that were to first discern the story, take that zoom in, zoom out approach, mm-hmm. um, to to look for the moments that 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 make up that story and capture them. And three, looking at the technical details of ways that you can specifically do that with your gear that goes beyond I have a box with a button that captures photons to I'm using this as a tool to capture that story. So I hope this was helpful I mean, for, for you as a, a listener. Um, this was kind of like the Rob show. It turned into my yeah. monologue. Uh, producer Connor over here got to just sit back and uh, enjoy the show himself. Yeah. Um, but as we wrap up, 
one thing that we've done with church photographers we, is we've started Church Photographer Nation, yeah. which is our Facebook group, um, where not only is it a place for community, but we've got what we're uh, we're calling the Church Photography Challenge. And every week we're posting a specific challenge prompt that should encourage and inspire you to get out and capture something new. Yep. And this is a perfect opportunity to practice capturing that moment because I give you specific moments. Mm-hmm. I give you friendship. I give you hands in the air. Yep. Um, you know, specific prompts that you can be now training your brain to look for that prompt and go capture that thing. So jump in anytime. It's going to be a year-long thing for 2020, but jump in anytime uh, by searching Facebook for Church Photographer Nation or go to churchphotographers.com slash nation you'll get redirected right there and then you can join like-minded church photographers in that facebook community jump in on that challenge and learn how to capture the moment that's all we got time for today but uh looking forward to having you back on the next episode and maybe we'll let connor talk next time too uh in the meantime i'm rob i'm connor he's here (laughs) and this is the The church Church photographers Photographers Podcast. podcast